Hey, everybody, and welcome in. It's the Poor Man Fantasy Football League podcast. We're the fantasy football show that gives you a peek inside the life and times of our dynasty league. I'm your host, Mike. With me, as always, is my friend, Andrew. Hello, everybody. Hope your week is going well. Me too. And this week, we're breaking down the NFC North with our special guest, Gabriel, a.k.a. Leibrebus. I'm gonna. Everyone. I'm gonna butcher that every time I get a chance, man. It's tiny, tiny buffalo, tiny, tiny goat, tiny sheep. Yeah, tiny, tiny sheep. Okay, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, August 10th. Uh, gentlemen, how are you doing tonight? Doing very well, thank you. How about you? Uh, I'm. The, oh. I'm good. I'm good. Gabriel, um, let's 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 talk about life with you. How's life in the water world? Uh, it's good actually, but uh, we there's a report today saying like Quebec is more uh, might be more problem with the climate change for uh, water. So yeah. it's uh, yeah, not they, enough for like a drought. No, it's like uh, we 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 use too much water right now, and oh. uh, in future, I don't think it's viable. Not sustainable. It that way. Yeah. Okay. Not sustainable. Well, speaking of water, which is the main thing we're drinking, you, on the other hand, pulled out this crazy drink and poured it into your glass. I want you to tell the listeners at home, you have a, I'm going to use air quotes here, a beer, a sour beer, and just give us a description of the contents in this beer. Yeah, it's a smoothie sour. It's made from a, a microbrewery brewery in Quebec. It's Messerem and Arcane Aleworks, I think, uh, People in the USA will know it. It's like a, they, they do a monster jam, basically adult juice. And it's a yep. beer of banana, mango, tangerine, patient fruit, apricot, and coconut milk. It looks like a beer can, but it did not come out like a beer. It was the <laughs> weirdest thing watching you pour that into your cup. It's like, wow, what is that? It's thick. It's smoothie. It looks really thick. And they do a slush when you go when you go drink it at the microbrewery. They do a yep. slush with it. Amazing. Oh, wow. oh, that's kind of cool. That I bet you that'd be really good with those uh, one of those bulldogs. Bulldogs. A bulldog is a <laughs> uh, Andrew. You drink these things. You explain it better. Yeah, a bulldog is uh, either a margarita or a daiquiri, like it, like a slushy drink. And then you pour, you dump a Corona, you stick the Corona head of the bottle in in the the slushy drink. So that as you're drinking the slushy drink, the Corona goes down and uh, goes into the drink as well. That's a good way to get fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it is. yeah, it's a good way to get going. <laughs> yep. Uh, it uh, the, the, a couple of Mexican bars here in the in the city of Edmonton do it. It, it um, sounds better with a margarita than a daiquiri. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, lime and lime. And yeah, corona. exactly. Because a lot of people put that lime in the in the Corona as well. So. You know, you, I love lime and peps. You, oh, you, for real, you can't really taste the difference between cheap beer, cheap beer with lime. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, cheap beer and lime. I I love yeah. cheap beer, uh, so I'm gonna try that that trick. See if I can yeah. jazz it up a little bit. Yeah, that I like it a, with some basil too. Basil, I've never basil lime and uh, lime and peps. It's quite good. Oh wow! <laughs> I like, pass blue, blue ribbon, right? Yeah. Okay, pass blue ribbon, basil. Like I'm making like a mojito, <laughs> kind of kind of deal. Yeah, but not, 
<laughs> what is the spicy in- mojito? That's there it. we go. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, there's a little bit of football news to talk about today. Um, as we all know, uh, camps are like in full full bore. Several teams are also doing shared practices this week. Uh, we have games going on tomorrow night. It's going to be some some fun games to watch. Several teams have announced they will be playing starters in the first quarter, which this early in in the off like preseason, this seems really um, Aaron char- characteristic. It makes sense from some teams that want to know what they have out of some of their like young talent, but um, like I don't know. I'm I'm actually kind of excited to see some of these guys hit the field yeah. and see what they can do, particularly my Lions, uh, which we're going to talk about later on in the show. They will be playing their full, full starting lineup in the first quarter. They want to see what these kids have got, or now some of the men, uh, and really put them put them to the test and see what uh, what they're made out of. So that's kind of exciting. But uh, Dan Campbell wanted to get the permission of uh, was the Ravens that they're going up against. So they called the Ravens head coach said, Hey, this is what I'd like to do. I, I want, like, are you okay with that? And I invite you to do the same with your players. That way we can really test what these guys have. So I think that's pretty cool that he's, he's taking that approach. Um, I think that's happening more and more with the teams. Cause I was watching the uh, Raider um, Jaguar game. Yep. And they, they kept talking about that. The two head coaches talked before the game. Yep. to say hey this is what this is kind of the playbook we're, we're going to be running um this is how long we're going to play our starters like the raider defense mm-hmm. played into the their starting defense played into the second quarter they wanted to to see a lot of these guys um how they were going to do and so they had talked in advance and it was like you know we're not going to go any like trick plays and we're not going to do any of this fancy crazy stuff we're going to keep the playbook pretty basic and so on and so forth, right. but they kept the the announcers kept talking about the conversation that the coaches had beforehand. And now you're mentioning it, Mike, with the with the Lions. So I'm I'm wondering if that's becoming more of a more a common a place. Yeah, like yeah. I imagine that there is a when in that coaching circle, whether you're a, a lineman coach, a head coach, an assistant coach, uh, a positions coach, whatever you are, I think they all have like this network. They all know each other. They're all they, everyone has everybody in their phone or in their Rolodex, if you will, so that they can contact them and have those conversations. One, so they have great um, relationships for job opportunities, uh, but also when when opportunities like this come up, we're having preseasons, exhibition games. Uh, we or you want to know something about a player, like hey, you guys cut this dude. What happened? What's the story here? Like you know, should I pick him up? Like what kind of recommendation can you make? And I, I think more of that is happening where that, that community is actually communicating with each other and dialoguing over a variety of topics and, and ideas, which is great because it just makes the game better. Yeah. And, you know, right now you have like one less preseason game. So I think we're mm-hmm. going to see starters earlier than before. There are some things you can practice and practice. No, you need to be hit. You need to have yeah. that pressure. You need to have like, hey, um, I know I'm safe because I'm wearing this red jersey. Yeah, no, red jersey's off and people are coming for you. And you know, yeah, the stupid bubble helmets. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, but the, I think that that's also you don't need to injure your head in practice. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. But I also think that's why a lot of teams now are hooking up and doing um scrimmages against each other. Um, like you had mentioned also, Mike, that uh, 
some of the teams were doing that because it's, maybe it is because they're having that uh, one less preseason game. Yeah, I it's saw Miami and Buccaneers doing it right now. Yeah, yeah. they are. Um, uh, they are doing joint practice. They've been doing joint practices for a while. This isn't not uh, isn't new. Um, but speaking of the Bucks and Dolphins, did you see that uh, that dime that Brady tossed to Julio Jones? No. Oh, all you people that held on to your Julio Jones shares, lucky devils. <laughs> that it was, was good. Yeah. It yeah, did look good. Like this was like, ooh, that was that was nice. In in coverage, double coverage, right? Julio Jones, double coverage, Brady. All you see is just this arm extend up out of the mess, grabs the ball, brings it down, tackle. It's like, wow, that was awesome. This is it's gonna be a good season. It's gonna be a fun season. Gonna be some great plays. Ah. Godwin comes back. They're oh, gonna be man. scary. It's gonna be gross. <laughs> right? Like who needs practicing too? Yeah, he's out there. He's gonna be ready to go. Um, at least at this point, to me, they don't have to rush him back. Mike Evans, Julio Jones, gonna be dangerous on their own. As soon as he's ready to come back on the field, it's okay. Good. You got three wide receivers that are what potential Hall of Famers at some point because of their um, their abilities. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. We do have injury news. There are, you can't have a preseason and training camp without injuries. So some injuries are minor. Uh, some we don't know the details of. So far, the only major injury is from uh, Browns wide receiver, Yakeem Grant. He was signed to a couple-year deal to come and be their special teams uh, player. He's no longer on the team because he's tore his Achilles. So that sucks for him. Uh, wish him all the best in his recovery. Now, the question remains, who, if your team struggled and didn't have a uh, kick-punt returner and you went and signed one and that guy blows his Achilles, what do you do now? Who do you think? I can't even, I could not find, I went to look because there's a couple of leagues where, hey, you know, kick returners and punt returners are valuable and I need depth. So I'm trying to scrape out whatever I can get off the waiver wires. I cannot identify anybody on that team who would be or could be their special teams returner. Donovan Peoples-Jones had a couple, but he wasn't like, you're the guy. The only guy that stands out right now, and it, it I think it hurts his his main play position at wide receiver, is McCarl Hardman. He He's not on the Browns. Reason. He's on the Chiefs. Oh, no, no, no. But if you were going out to look for another guy to replace... Oh. Did you go Grant. trade for Mecole Hartman? Potentially. Man, I'd just make Kareem Hunt do it. Oh. <laughs> he wants the ball more. He does. You want the ball more? <laughs> Take care of kick returns. Do part returns. Do you remember when you I mean, to do that for... Um, yeah, uh, you, you could put Anthony Schwartz. He's quite quick. Yeah. Could, yeah. Um, yeah, if anybody has an idea who the special teams returner is going to be for the Browns, you let me know. Hit me up in chat. I'm always looking for some depth pieces. Tell me before you tell Donnie he's in those leagues too, okay? <laughs> I right. feel like Anthony Schwartz could be a good pick. He's like Schwartz. as fast as John Ross, basically. Oh. So, Oh, wow. Anthony he has the ends. Okay. Multi-threat, especially if they get like a couple targets throughout the game. It's not just kick returns. They get a couple targets. really valuable. Um, all right, some additional news. The league is appealing Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension. Uh, they are asking for a full year. The, uh, the commissioner did make some statements that were really unflattering and somewhat disheartening to hear. 
um, and really shed some light on uh, on the details of this matter. Um, yeah, I yeah. I was pretty on the fence about the majority of this. Like, where there's smoke, there's fire, but there's not not a lot going on. So when they came up with a six game suspension, it's like okay, the league's gonna appeal it uh, one year. And then he went on the, the news and said, yeah, there's some pretty damning evidence. Uh, he's violated the uh, con, con, uh, code of conduct. Um, it was pretty egregious. There was uh, some predatory behavior. It's like, ooh, okay, well, that's, that's not sounding good. And there was this undertone that people picked up on and highlighted that, yeah, the evidence is pretty damning. And, you know, like they laid it out very clearly and, and we can make that public if necessary. So what I read between the lines there is, Deshaun, if, if you make an issue out of this and you, you want to fight our appeal and you get the one-year suspension, yeah, we'll make all of this public as per the agreement of the CBA. And, uh, yeah, we'll just ruin your career that way. Yikes. Yeah. The Reading thing me- is, I'm not that for the, uh, the six-game suspensions. I don't really have an opinion on it, but... I just feel like if you go out of your way to get an external look at it, and she says six games is enough, yeah. why would you push for more after that? Um, yeah, I, my guess is when the arbitrator, when she went and looked at it, she followed whatever information. So the evidence she was given, all the testimony she heard, every, everything, all of the stuff that she collected. And then when she looks through their collective bargaining agreement, the rules for which the, they, they need to operate, and she reads through that uh, personal conduct policy, and she feels, yeah, you know, he violated it. And here's, as, as I read it, the terms and conditions of, of this infraction, six-game suspension is what he deserves. It's like, okay, you're now taking someone who understands contract law, making a decision based upon the evidence that she's heard, and says, okay, six-game suspension. Whether you feel he deserves more or you think he deserves more is not a matter for debate. It's really, this is what you guys agreed to. Now you want to step outside the boundaries of what was defined in the agreement and you want to uh, apply additional punishment. Okay, so now you're going to go to another third party who's going to make a decision and that decision is final. Nobody can question it. That's just what it is. To me, that just seems like a tricky sneak way to go and get what you want without having you know without press yeah so you're just like okay we went through the we went through the process this is what happened screw it we don't want that we're gonna go this way and here's the result and deshaun watson's only recourse is to take it to the supreme court which has been done in the past and if he does that i can totally see good all deciding to yeah you know what and you didn't want to take the one year suspension? Well, guess what? You're never playing football again. We're just going to ruin your career. Your public image is destroyed. Yeah. I think Goodall is between a rock and a hard place. Sure. He's, he's, he's got, got people. He's probably got other man. owners saying to him, you need to set a precedence mm-hmm. that this will not be tolerated ever again. Yeah, because sure. the, there was some precedent with Roethlisberger, I think. And yep. they went out of their way to get the reduced suspension. Yes. <laughs> that looks a lot. Oh, and I imagine there's a lot of external pressures from yes. uh, fans, from independent, like just citizens that aren't fans of football, uh, just organizations, just people in general that want to see 
something done and that don't agree with the six game suspension. So I'm very curious to see how this plays out. Um, He's starting this weekend. He is starting this weekend. He's playing um, against the Jags. So Um, I think though also one of his arguments that he can make is I sat out all last year. I was forced to sit out. My team deliberately benched me. Yes. And I, to me, that would I would take that into consideration because that was yes. that was an absolute trash move by the Texans to do that. They should have just yeah. traded him way back when instead of forcing him to sit. Like yeah. That's force the issue at that point. Yes. Oh well. Okay. Um. On additional news, kind of interesting. The Broncos have new ownership. The Walton Group, known as the uh, the Walmart family, um, are now owners of the. Denver Broncos. The it was ratified and approved. Um, pretty exciting. They are the richest group or organization or entity, if you will, that owns a NFL sport franchise, and not by a little bit, but like by a lot. Like take the other thirty-one owners, and they don't equal the the net worth of this group. Kind of kind of money. So really impressive to see that mega mega wealthy organization. Uh, come in and take an NFL franchise. I don't know. I think does, it's, that, does that mean in in all the Walmart stores you're only going to see Bronco? <laughs> They're probably going to have a dedicated Bronco section, probably. And it's a big group. There, there's like you know, Lewis Hamilton from F1. There's yeah. like a whole lot of people. Is this the same group that had uh, Peyton Manning and John Elway, or was that another group? I don't know. <laughs> Let's don't have know. a look. I imagine it's probably different. Oh, I know they were they were announced in a group of people. Who are the new owners? Oh, you're right. Okay, here we go. Um, oh, that's uh, NFL owners met Tuesday and unanimously voted in favor of the new Broncos ownership group led by Rob Walton, who agreed to pay four point six five billion dollars to the Bolin family to purchase the team early this summer. The late Pat Bolin bought the team from Edgar Kaiser Jr. for $70 million in 1984. That's a good return on investment. Denver's NFL franchise went on to win three Super Bowls under Bolin's leadership uh, before he died in 2019. Uh, okay, Rob Walton, 77. Uh, Walton is the son of Walmart founder Sam Walton. Rob became Walmart's vice chairman in 20, uh, 1982 and has assumed chairman of the board of director duties following his father's death in 92. Uh, okay, additional owners, Greg and Carrie Penner. Rob Bolton will become Denver's new controlling owner, but his son-in-law, Greg Penner, and his daughter, Carrie Walton Penner, are expected to handle the team's day-to-day ownership duties. Melody Hobson uh, was the first minority owner to be announced after the Walton Penner family agreed to buy the team. Hobson is the co-CEO of Ariel Investments, and she also serves on the board of companies including Starbucks and JP Morgan Chase. She is married to Star Wars creator George Lucas. Not bad. Uh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> really? Wow. I I think she she definitely uh, outclasses him. She's a she looks like she's a really well put together woman and George Lucas just looks like a bum. Yeah, well, with Where his is, wealth, with his wealth you can yeah. dress however you want. Yeah, she's a lifelong um and then Condolent Lisa Rice, 67, life a lifelong football fan. Rice was second woman to join the Walton Penner Group as a minority investor. She served as the 19th United States National Security Advisor. Oh, wow. Okay. 
used to sit on the inaugural uh, playoff committee, college football playoff committee. Lewis Hamilton, yeah, uh, became the third minority owner to join the Walton Penner Group last week. He's a seven-time Formula One champion with more than 100 race wins. Oh, more on the way. Hobson, Rice, and Hamilton were the first three additions to the Walter Penner Group, and it's possible that more minority investors could be added down the road. Peyton Manning has been said to be a candidate to join the team as an advisor. That's pretty cool. Wow. You know, I got to admit, I have not heard anything bad about this ownership group and the way this has gone. It looks like it's You've got new life, new blood, um, a new legacy to to build. To me, the Broncos are in great shape too. They're going to contend in their division. They just got acquired Russell Wilson, and they it are sucks, though, for their uh, wide receiver group. Still a an ACL early. Yeah, yeah Tim, Tim Patrick's out for the year, which sucks for him. Uh, and I liked him too. He was doing. He did so well last year with some crap uh, quarterbacks. And with Russell Wilson coming in, I thought he had a shot to really make uh, make it to wide receiver two on this team. But say la vie. Congratulations to the old Bolin family. They're from Edmonton, Alberta. They are. Oh. They were, yep. <laughs> Our hometown. Who knew? Yep. Andrew did. Yes. He's the big brain of this show. I'm just a voice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the news we got this week. Yes. We did have a trade go down in the league just just today so we've actually got some league talk to go through now our friend slick traded made a trade with bryce slick traded away trey lance and in exchange he got russell wilson now on the surface i i think slick won i love to me i'd rather have russell wilson in his new situation uh he's probably got five plus years at least of being quality elite status. And to me, Trey Lance is still a rookie that hasn't been proven. He's been given the reins and we're going to see what he can do. And I think uh, Bryce in this case is gambling on that huge potential upside of him becoming something special. So high risk, high reward versus the the known commodity. Uh, Gabriel, who would you rather have in this situation? I feel like I'd rather have Russell Wilson, but if you have a, a QB one, with Trey Lance, could be a good uh, high risk, high reward for some. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's a great point, Andrew. While I'm looking up the teams here yes. and seeing who, what Bryce actually has for a quarterback on his team. Oh, oh okay, yeah, he's hurting at quarterback. He has Josh <laughs> Allen as his starting quarterback, so it makes sense. Trade away Russell Wilson, take a shot at Trey Lance, and see if you got something. All right, Andrew, who would you take? Oh, I, 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 again, I would look at what my, my team had. Yep. Um, like right now, I got Patrick Mahomes. So would I want Wilson as my backup? Sure. I'm sure, it would be great, but Trey Lance could be just as successful. They've, San Francisco's given him the, the, the confidence of the team yep. and, and the reins. You make what you want of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think uh, you know, for long-term looking, Trey mm-hmm. Lance might be a guy to have stashed on your bench. It, I don't you think know, it hurts his team. Yeah. yeah. If you're uh, looking I, at Bryce's team, he's got Josh Allen as a starting quarterback. Okay, good. You're solid. You're, you have a locked-in starter week in, week out. Your backup is now Trey Lance. Okay, you know what? If he pays off, fantastic. You, you've, got, you've got another, like, what, QB1 
uh, top five because of his running potential. Like he's going to be fantastic for you. And what does Slick have as his starter? That is a great question. I'm going to go back to the, the league list here. Let's have a look at who Slick has. Slick has, oh, he has Lamar Jackson. Oh, so they're both in pretty much in the same boat. They had starters. They had starters. And... They had quality backups. So now, now he's got Russell Wilson and Derek Carr and Davis Mills. Okay, so he's got options. Leave some for us. Yeah, no kidding. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's four quarterbacks right there. That's yeah. okay. Interesting. No, I, I I I was curious about the trade, and I wanted to chat with you guys about it and kind of kind of see what your thoughts are. It makes sense if you have a good solid starting quarterback, take a shot on Lance, see what happens. Yeah. Well, even you know, like Mills. You and I were talking about Mills the other mm-hmm. day. That you know, some people are predicting him in the top 10 for quarterbacks. The he's he's going to surpass um, Mac Jones. Yeah. He's on a crappy team, but you know, if they score, still score lots of points, they may lose every game, but they still may score yep. 20 plus points a game. If he's, if he throws for three touchdowns a game, because they're going to be behind, know, they're going to have, he's going to be 20 plus point uh, uh, fantasy value. The new right. Blake Bortles. Yeah. 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 Right. That's exactly it. A crap. Uh, like on, on the surface, everybody talks about Bortles, a crappy quarterback. But in the fantasy world, he put up lots of points. And he, he was amazing with the Allen Robinson that year. Yeah. It was. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm going to point this out. I saw this earlier on Reddit. I'm going to go and find it and post it in the group chat at some point. It was a, an image of the four teams fighting to go to the Super Bowl. And it was just their quarterbacks. And the, it shows that their backs, so their jerseys, uh, names, numbers, kind of like in a weirdly drawn animated style, uh, walking towards whatever the stadium was that hosted the Super Bowl that year. In the middle is Brady. To Brady's right is Blake Bortles. To his left is Nick Foles. And then on the outside is Case Keenum. Wow. What is wrong with that picture? Blake Bortles, Case Keenum, and Nick Foles. Are going to the to fight for the Super Bowl against Tom Brady. Now we all know how that one actually unfolded. The the Eagles won that one, and Nick yeah. Foles won MVP. But still, like the fact that this those those four guys are mentioned in the same breath is like, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, on any given year, a guy can, yeah, a guy can break out. Joe Flacco can do it. Yeah, or did it? <laughs> Joe Flacco with Zach Wilson. Yeah, he has to be scared for his wife. <laughs> I love those memes. I'm not sure where they're coming from. Is there a story? Is there something where Zach Wilson's getting into bed with people's wives? Uh, he's getting into bed with older women, that's for sure. And oh, Joe wow. Psycho is an older guy, so his wife's 37, just so you know. She's not that old. It's old for me. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, wow, that's interesting. So he's got a thing for old women. So now I understand the the joke behind those memes. Cool, good for him. Excellent. Well, uh, do you guys have any other news or notes you'd like to share with everybody before we move on to the meat and potatoes of the show? Well, that was that was pretty much it. It was a quiet. It was kind of a quiet week. You know, it's nice to nice to see the, the Hall of Fame game. I'm yeah, really excited. To, I'm really excited this weekend to see all the teams get in and start, start playing and uh, just excited to see some, 
that's a top quality, but some football. Some, better, some, some football. Something better than the CFL, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I what really I... thought there was games last Sunday. So I went to open the TV and I was like, Oh yeah, that would be Nothing. such a letdown. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm excited to see some validation to some opinions and some hype. That's what I'm hoping to see. If they're going to put some starters on the field, I'm hoping to see some quality touches. I'm also really curious to hear about. I'm hearing a lot about this uh, Kansas City uh, seventh round running back, this Isaiah Porterchenko or whatever his name is. Porterchenko. Um, yeah, he's. He's popping up everywhere. And I'm not sure if it's like if he's a valid like hype train, like like this is he's legit, or if people are just having fun and just posting videos and making this guy something out of nothing. So curious to see what happens when he gets some playing yeah. time. Where what what I'm excited to start seeing is some of these some of these guys where you're just seeing the odd video, like Julio Jones, like you mentioned earlier, Mike. You just see the hand come up out of the crowd and he snags an impossible catch. I want to start seeing some of those again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really want to see those camp battles too, like Mayfield versus Darnold, yeah, uh, Juju versus MVS, yeah, uh, Single Terry versus James Cook, like all, yeah, all actually, those guys yeah, for redraft. Yes, yeah. let's 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 get some clarity here. Who who is actually looking good? Who's going to take those spots? Yeah, uh, there's some who, there's some. Who, good who stuff. do I got to drop on my uh, on my <laughs> roster? And go find on. The... That's right. Pick up the waivers. You never know who's. That's, that's why I saved all my fab for now. <laughs> for the for the end end of this off season spend, yeah, saved all your fab just for this last couple of weeks. Yeah, I went with Boston Scott. Woo-hoo. You did. Um, <laughs> there is some serious concern uh, for Miles Sanders. Yes. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what's going on, but I I heard an interesting stat regarding. Uh, Boston Scott versus Miles Sanders. Uh, Boston Scott has scored more touchdowns in a single year than Miles Sanders has scored in his entire NFL career. Wow. For real? Yeah. So <laughs> Miles like Sanders didn't get any but, touchdowns last year. But Scott... He gets like, some like short goal line work, right? Like, got some... Yeah, that's the thing with Jalen Hurts. They don't need as much as a oh. running back between the yeah. 20s. He, he does it himself. I think oh. Trey Lance can do the same though. So the rushing upside is so high. Yeah. Can be good. They're going to be, I, I think the San Francisco 49ers will be a super run heavy team with Debo out of the backfield, Trey Lance out of the backfield. Um, Trey Sermon apparently had a good day and got noted. It's like, wow, Trey Sermon. He's still on the team. That's cool. Good for him. He, he survived last year. Yeah. They drafted a running back to Davis. Davis uh, something. Travis. Davis Price, something like that. Yeah. So yeah. they've got a. They still have Jeff Wilson, Elijah but Mitchell, still, but it's still San Francisco. And two or three, they're going to get five or seven or three. Their running backs will all go down throughout yeah. the year. Yeah. First game. Yeah. <laughs> preseason game. Yeah. It'll be the last preseason game. They all get hurt, and they got to go sign somebody. Yeah. They got to bring Frank Gore back, who who oh. just got a got arrested for. A yeah. Second. Yeah. He's uh he's now playing football again. Oh, Marshawn Lynch got arrested for a DUI too. Oh wow! What are last, rather, last morning, I'd rather sign a guy who has a DUI than a guy who got caught dragging a woman naked down a hotel hallway. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what Frank Gore did. You can get two hundred millions if you do it behind closed doors. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Okay, well, let's get down to the NFC North. Happens to be my favorite division because it houses my Lions. And there's some good love and uh, pump for them right now. Uh, Hard Knocks, haven't watched it yet. Don't get it here in Canada. I got to wait for it to like slowly release. So for those that have watched it, don't spill the beans for me. Um, They practice lots. Well, I've seen some clips. I've seen some emotional. uh, I've seen Jamal Williams cry as he's giving a speech and then tells you, I will run you over while I'm crying because that's how emotionally charged I am. Like, man, like there is a ton of emotion on this team. And if it translates well to the field, who man, they're going to be dangerous. Granted, when you ride the emotional roller coaster, it can swing really hard in both directions. Yeah. So it can take you super high and it can bring you down low just as fast. So that's that's the fine line you have to you have to walk when you're playing that uh, playing that card. All right, so here's how the uh, division breaks down. For those that don't know, the NFC North has the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings, the Chicago Bears, and the Detroit Lions. How the teams uh, fared last year, the Packers won the division 13-4. and Really impressive record. Unfortunately, they couldn't translate that in a playoff win. So, wah, 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 wah. too bad for them. Uh, the Vikings. Love my Vikings. Mainly because they gave my Lions their first win of the season. Appreciate that. Thank you, Vikings. They finished the season at eight and nine. Uh, the Bears they finished at six and eleven. I think they played above what what they were or what they are. And the Lions they finished uh, with a gritty three and thirteen. They went zero and eleven until they got their first win. So it was a it was a rough season. Then they also have a tie. Yeah, it did have a tie. Yep, and several losses in the last second of the fourth quarter. So. Yeah, I think they were the the team with the most losses. And yes, under seven or three points. Or something yeah, right. one point game. Realistic, right. Realistically, they could have gone like seven and. They seven could have been eight and nine. They could have been, but they weren't. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they, but I honestly think that was a massive lesson for for that whole team and organization because. They they sucked so bad. They fought so hard and got so close and beat and beat and came close to beating so many strong teams and then didn't. And then when they finally did get that win, it meant something to them and they rode that that momentum. And this year, man, to me, this will be an emotional year. If they end up with a winning record, which I'm projecting that they do, uh, they will, I think, solidify their ability to continue that growth going next year. If they don't get a winning record, I think they'll be a little unstable because I think that emotional roller coaster I mentioned before, it can be super high. It can be super low. That's the danger that, uh, that this team faces. Yep. All right. Well, before we break down how we think this teams are going to finish, let's talk about the fancy players on each and every team, starting with the green Bay Packers. We know they have the perennial con air himself, Aaron Rodgers. Love that hair. Love his attitude. Nod. Um, just, he's an amazing quarterback. He is. He absolutely is. And this is probably going to be the worst wide receiver squad he's ever had to play with. Yeah. There, he's going to make. He's going to make a Hall of Famer out of somebody. We just don't know who it is. So here's how things are stacking up. He has got uh, Aaron Jones. I think who's probably going to be the best player on this team, accompanied with. A.J. Dillon, who's probably going to be the second best player on this team. 
His wide receivers are Alan Lazard, who I don't think has shown enough over the last couple of years to become relevant. But if you're force fed the ball from Aaron Rodgers, you will be. Uh, then you've got Sammy Watkins, who's new to the team. And to me, Sammy Watkins was a wide receiver one draft pick that went bust. Yeah. So I'm not trusting him. And then you've got Randall Cobb, who's just the old man, the old veteran leadership status, but I don't see him actually making the field uh, above some of these other options we're going to talk about. Then they've got Robert Tanyan. He's back and almost fully healthy, so I expect him to be a touchdown threat in the end zone. And then the rookies. They drafted wide receiver Christian Watson in round two, pick two. Unfortunately, he suffered an injury and is missing most of camp. Uh, then they have wide receiver, wide receiver rookie Romeo Dobbs, uh, round four, pick 27. They also drafted uh, a round six wide receiver, I think, uh, Samir. And they have Amari Rogers from last year. Yeah. So, guys, where do you think Aaron Rodgers is probably still going to be a top 10 quarterback? I, I think he just has it in him. He's going to make it happen. Tell me, who do you think are going to be the benefactors of the Aaron Rodgers offense? Gabriel, think, what do you think? I think Aaron Jones is going to catch more balls than he had last year. Mm-hmm. And I think they could use like some two backs formation with AJ Dillon yep. being the running one. And I, I have a feeling that Romeo Dubs could be a sneaky yeah. good pick. Uh, he's lining up. He's lighting up the camp right now. And uh, Christian Watson is still injured, I think. And uh, being a rookie injured on on camp time, you're missing out a whole lot. Okay, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of learning. You're you're not getting. Them. Yeah, it's also a lot of trust because we know what Aaron Rodgers loves is re- respect and trust with his receivers. He needs to know that you're going to be where, you, where you're supposed to be, which is why he hyper-targeted Devontae Adams because he knew exactly where he was going to be and he'd always put the ball there. And why some of these other guys didn't get those targets is because when he went to t- turn to throw the ball to them, they weren't where he expected them to be. So to me, it's if you can make that connection, whether you're a rookie or you're a vet, and you're just going to like bow to the whim and control of of Rodgers, that'll be the guy. Andrew, who who do you like here? Um, I heard that Sammy Watkins put in a whole lot of off-season time in and uh, has earned quite a bit of the trust of Rodgers. Really? So that could be an interesting matchup. I agree that that I think Aaron Jones is going to get used as more of a, of a catching back. Uh, I've heard some people even say he could be the top wide receiver on the team. Yeah, from the end of the year, end up with the most catches. Um, that's pretty sad when your running back is your top top receiver. Um, but you know, if it's a if it's a changing in the of the culture and the the mindset in Green Bay, if it works out for them, great. It could backfire and and blow up on them. But uh, they're still the Packers. I think that you know. They're they're gonna still be a very very solid team. They Can are. you imagine the Sammy Watkins first game before injury? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't it tradition that Sammy Watkins has like a week one like just blows up and it's absolutely amazing? And then yeah. you know what, guys, I'm done. I'm spent. I got nothing <laughs> left. Save me for next year. This one with Aaron Rodgers, three yeah. TDs, two hundred yards. Sure, uh, and then he'll sit out the rest of the season. And be like, yeah, no, I'm good. You guys got this. 
Yeah. I got more than the rest of the I got more than the rest of the wide receivers, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, the running back's gonna have the rest of it. That's but right. I think Alan Lazard could be good. He's a big bodied receiver. He and, is. Uh, Aaron Rodgers can put the ball anywhere. So he can just grab it. I'm just curious to see what's gonna happen. At this point, if I'm taking if I'm gonna gamble on somebody, I'm gonna pick uh, Alan Lazard. Um, or I'm gonna target a running back. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try and make Sammy Watkins be a thing. I'm, I'm going nowhere near Randall Cobb. Um, I own Amari Rogers in one league. I'm not sure if or when or how if he if he becomes something because I didn't hear boo about him last year. I'm not hearing boo about him now. So to me, that's that's a bit of a warning sign. Yeah, I yeah. think I think for the beginning of the year. Rogers is just going to spread the ball out to see who he gets most comfortable with. Sure. It might take some time. Second half of the season might be, be where all the truth is. Tony yeah. was quite good too before injury. So he might be, he might have a bigger role. All right. Sure. Okay. Well, let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings. This is a team I think can do better. They also lost a lot of games by one score. One of them being to the lions. I think, this team has the makings of what could could win this division, could uh, could actually beat the Green Bay Packers. So you've got Kirk Cousins, good, not a great quarterback in my opinion. Dalvin Cook, top-tier running back. Alexander Madison, top-tier backup. Justin Jefferson, one, two, best receiver in the league. Uh, Adam Thielen, who's aging but still a giant uh, touchdown threat in the end zone. KJ Osborne, who I like as a as a stash on your bench for like a year or two from now. Irv Smith, who is a tight end with upside. Still injured. Still in like I liked what was gonna happen last year before he got injured, and now it's uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Um I I I'll I'll reserve my opinion for that one. And they didn't really draft a lot of offensive talent this year. Uh, running back Ty Chandler, round five, pick 26. And wide receiver Jalen Naylor, round six, pick 12. So really, I love the consistency on their offense because there's no need to make a necessary change. I think Kirk Cousins is good enough to to support this offense with Dalvin Cook running and catching, Justin Jefferson catching a lot and making a lot happen, and Adam Thielen just you know catching the odd touchdown here and there to just to stay annoyingly relevant week in and week out as a flex player. I think one of the things, the big things with this team is having the new head coach. Mm-hmm. What, what's the culture going to be? What's the, the, the mindset of the team going to be? What's the, what are we a running team or are we a passing team? What are we? Like what's their identity now? Because their offense is pretty well balanced. Yeah. Um, so what, what is the identity now? Right? Like you look at, um, you know, Green Bay of the of the past few years, heavy passing because of, of Devontae Adams. You know, it, are, are they going to go now with? Are they going to lean heavy on on Jefferson and um, become a passing team, or are they going to just feed Cook the rock? And to me, it's a fifty fifty team. They can go yeah. either way. You're you're going to go in there with a with a fluid game script. You're going to try and do one thing. All right, guys, we're going to go in there and we're going to lead with Justin Jefferson today and see how that goes. Oh, you know what? They're shutting that down. All right, well, unleash Dalvin Cook. Let him run. 
there you go. You've, you've got another game plan. To me, this is a team that's in a situation where they can be extremely fluid in how they respond to teams. You don't have to stick with a single game plan because you're not one-dimensional. They're multi-dimensional. I feel like you don't want to be too predictable. No. Come, come playoff time, you know, like Ravens are always so good during uh, yeah. the season when they get in a playoff game. Team can focus on Lamar Jackson, and that's when yeah. 100%. 100%. it's the fan. Yeah, you, you got to be dynamic. You can't be one-dimensional here. Yeah. Uh, and I think as much as I dislike uh, the Vikings as a, as a Lions fan, I think they're in a really good position this year, offense, defense-wise, to actually win this division. They, they have, I, the, they have the, 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 the potential, yes. I yeah, totally I, agree with that. I thought their, their defense was lackluster last year. I don't know if see what happens. <laughs> yeah, well, Vikings are always so good on defense. That's the perception, right? Is that things are back on track. So if you believe that and you're, you're involved in that little hype train, you bought a ticket. Well, maybe maybe the Vikings actually have a chance to take and upset the uh, the Packers. Yeah, and games in Minnesota looks amazing. <laughs> the, the, that stadium the vibes, is really nice, yeah. man. Yeah, really nice. For, the purple people eaters. Uh, okay, well, let's talk about the Chicago Bears, which, by the way, a little bit of trivia for you. They have the most Hall of Famers in with 30. I believe it. Did, Third, they have been around 30 Holly, they, Hall of Famers. Their whole team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, that's a lot. Um, all right, so they're led by Justin Fields. Uh, Ohio State product. They don't have the greatest track record of producing quality quarterbacks that survive. And this team is not doing anything to help him. So no matter how good Justin Fields is, let's, let's break down what he's got to work with. He's got David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. I like those running backs. To me, David, David Montgomery is a great running back that people overlook. He just, he just continuously works hard, gets the job done, um, is underrated, is I guess the proper term I'm looking for. He's underrated. Khalil Herbert showed last year when he had time that he can play, he can ball out. He's also a special teamer. Um, talented. Like what I like the running game situation here. It's the wide receivers that are, are starting oh, yeah. to become questionable. Darnell Mooney, love him. Think he's an absolute fantastic wide receiver, and that's where the 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 line's over. But you know what though, with Darnell Mooney, on a lot of teams, he's a W. He's a wide receiver. Receiver two. Yeah, yeah, totally. But he's good enough to to qualify. To me, he would be a great wide receiver too on your team. So if this was a team that he was their one and you had a somewhat decent quarterback, I, he'd be really good. Like I think he's, he'd be a valuable uh, player to own, but tell me who's behind Darnell Mooney. Uh, yeah. You got Pringle, but he's, <laughs> I don't uh, know. Equinemy is St. Brown. Uh, who's right. Jones. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that's a rookie. So let's, let's, let's put a, put a tab on that one. You've got Byron Pringle. You've got Tajay Sharp. You've got Daz Newsome. You've got Equimonia St. Brown and you've got Nikhil Harry. Yeah. Okay. They even got, they have Dante Pettis listed on here way down the death chart. None of these names, none of them scream, Fantasy relevant. Yeah, were, were any of those even in the top 100? No. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. Byron Pringle was 58th last year. He was the 58th top receiver? 
Yep, 58 top receiver last year. Oh. He had some good games with Patrick Mahomes. And, uh, yeah, he did. Yeah. Patrick, Mahomes, receiver number two. Patrick Mahomes made him something a couple games. Um, Darnell Mooney is good. Nikhil Harry, uh, I understand he's he's got a high ankle sprain, so he's not even practicing. Um, Vilas Jones appears to be the, the hottest ticket in town, and they drafted him in the second round, and he's a bit of an older wide receiver product. He's 25 already. Most of these guys are coming in at 22. So he's experienced. Um, but he's also injured right now and not participating in camp. So like to me, it's the wide receiver core that is going to make this team suffer. Uh, Cole Komet is a tight end I like. I think he could do well if given, given them some opportunities. But they're one-dimensional and they have Justin Fields who didn't get a lot of support from his previous coaching regime. So I, I don't have high hopes for this offense outside of uh, the running backs. David Montgomery, I like. I actually own him in a league with Khalil Herbert um, as my special team or flex play in that particular league. Um, and I'm happy with that because I think both of those two guys are talented. They're going to be respectful for uh, the positions that they play. They'll return to you. Darnell Mooney, I think, is a safe wide receiver to maybe wide receiver three flex. That's kind of more where I would put him at this point. It all comes down to Justin Fields. Yeah. Can this can this coaching staff do something to help Justin Fields out? I don't know. Um, I like Cole Komet too. Yeah, I think I think Cole Komet could do really well. If it's Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney as your pass catching options, maybe Vilas Jones rises to the occasion. And if Byron Pringle is really Byron Pringle from from the Chiefs, he's going to give you one or two games throughout the season where you can rely upon him. Maybe something happens. I'm just not overly optimistic about the fantasy options here. Yeah, I mean, even in real life. <laughs> even in real me, life, it uh, for me it, it all came down to you know Justin Fields needed to come into the season with a different mindset. Last year, as a rookie, he had to look over his shoulder: Is a vet going to take my job? Am I going to be the starter? What, what's what's going on this year? It's no, it's it's his team now. Um, if he is going to be the future for the Bears, he needs to step up and say, you know what, I've got a different mindset. I'm, I'm the guy. Um, but can their offensive line keep him on the field? You know, like my little comment in our in our, our lineup, can the O line keep get Fields? Will will the O line get Fields carted off the fields? You know, is are they going to get him killed? Because they're such a bad offensive line, they're, uh, they're in rough shape. They're um, I, I this team I, is this this honestly this team is remind is is going the way of and it's funny because you made the comment a few minutes ago, Mike, about how many Hall of Famers they have. Yep. In this organization, they are now becoming the New York Jets of the league. They're starting to become the the the, the joke punchline because they're not making the right moves and the right decisions to help themselves right when they make a decision it almost seems to be counterproductive for the team for sure because if you look at last year's coaching staff the decisions they made were to help protect their coaching job not to make a better team exactly exactly and now they're having to make a change i got enough wins to save my job not going to be the same this year no i don't think i they could be the first team to make a, a coaching change 
Could um, be. in the season because I don't see them. You know, they 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 have a uh, they even have a tougher schedule, which seems weird from a team that didn't do so well, right? And finished like third in their division, but yet they still got a tougher schedule when you actually look at the, the schedule. And I I could see them starting off like zero and seven, zero and eight, and then having a change in the coaching staff. I have them bottom three of the league. They have the league. I, I, to me, this is a team that's going to fight for that unwillingly fight for that first overall pick. Yeah. I feel like they're going to get it. (laughs) I, I don't think they get it. I think this team is going to try and play better than they are. And they're going to end up like with the third overall pick and a team that's deliberately positioning themselves to, to get that first pick like Atlanta, um, I think I think Atlanta, maybe Houston. Those are the two teams I think that are pos- positioning themselves to legitimately earn them because they're doing it on purpose. They're constructing a team in a way that, hey, look, we want these draft picks for the future. We're going to rebuild next year. This year, we're going to test and find out what we've got on the team to see what we can yes. use, and that's how we're going to lose. Is we're not going to put our best foot forward. We're going to put a good foot. Let's find out what we have foot forward. Yeah. Who is our future that we have now? And then right. what are we going to replace next year? Okay. You guys ready for it? Oh, it's time for the Detroit Lions. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's kick things off with what they have. And what they have is Jared Goff, a quarterback. Again, he's more to me, he's like a Kirk Cousins. He's a good, not a great quarterback. Um, I'm hoping that his. He has the personality type to recognize this is a make-or-break-it year. He can either stay a starting quarterback in the NFL or he can be relegated to a bridge to backup quarterback, depending on how his season goes. It's all, it all comes down to, to what he wants. And I, I get the impression from what videos I've seen that uh, he wants to remain a starting quarterback. Like He is going to dig deep. And I think with Dan Campbell kind of pushing him and, and – and, putting that gritty mindset, we're going to come up and bite your decaps off uh, into them. I'm, I'm looking forward to see what this team can do. Um, outside of all of my, my bias for the team, what I do like, uh, I do like DeAndre Swift. I think he's going to be uh, a top 10, possibly with a top five upside running back because they're going to, they're going to utilize him a lot. Uh, they do have Jamal Williams, who I think is a massive character, um, both from a funny standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint, helped to uh, drive this team with heart. He's a quality running back. So if DeAndre Swift goes down, Jamal Williams is going to be solid in, the, in, in his stead. And then it's the wide receiver room of what are you going to get? Amon St. Brown, DJ Shark. Those are the two big names to me on this wide receiver offense. You do have Quintus Cephas. You do have... Um, oh, I, I didn't write it down here, but... Uh, they have some wide receivers who are not big names. They're your lunch pail type of receivers that may show up, may not, or they might end up like how I, I view the, the Bears wide receivers. They might be absolute like bogus bunk. I don't know. But I love the offensive talent in DJ Shark, Amon St. Brown, uh, DeAndre Swift, and TJ Hawkinson. I think to me, TJ Hawkinson is a fantastic tight end. Uh, he's going to be solid whether. He's going to make it top five. I think, to me, he would be the number five tight end that I would try and trust this year. And that's what they got. They did draft wide receiver Jameson Williams, who's coming off of an injury. I don't suspect he's going to be ready week one. 
I push him to a second half of the season kind of guy. But uh, that's that's my personal, very biased opinion of the Detroit Lions. So Andrew, I'm going to start with you first. What do you what do you think in here? What do you like? What don't what don't you like? You know, I they had a really really good draft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Aiden Hutchinson. Oh yeah, uh, that, that could be the best defensive player. Uh, arguably the best defensive player in the draft. Um, you know, could be the 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 best defensive player in the year of the year this year. I think he wins um, the rookie of the year award or oh, defensive yeah. rookie of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, I it seems like the the coach has kind of won over the team and the players mm-hmm. um and they have that mentality of the uh like you said make that that lunch pail kind of group um you know Goff, you mentioned him uh i think he's um you know second year with the team and the and the and the system and he's going to start feeling a lot more comfortable with that um, he just needs to step up and lead the team and say, yeah, guys, this is my team now. Um, and um, I'm, I'm the, the one leading us down the path. Um, their schedule seems to be really favorable for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I think this is going to be a real confidence building year for them, whereby, you know, this could really start moving the team up um, to whereby in the next couple of years be challenging the Packers for the division or, or uh, Minnesota for the, for the division. They're definitely on an upwards trend. Yeah. All right, Gabriel, what, uh, what do you think about this? I know you're a silent, silent lions fan. <laughs> I like the Lions. <laughs> I like you, you, you know the the, the the wide receiver we're not talking about Josh Reynolds. That's I it. I feel like that's it. That's the name. <laughs> that's this the dude name. was quite good for yeah. Tennessee Titans last year, and he can be like a good substitute for Jameson Williams early on. Yeah, he's and, a great speedster down the line. Yeah, and they had a. Uh, I think they have another receiver from the Titans is. Uh, Raymond, something Raymond, <laughs> and he, uh, Khalif, he's not great. Khalif Raymond, yeah, he's not great. He's good, and I feel like the the thing in Detroit is the, uh, he was better than Byron Pringle last year. Oh, he was fifty two. Byron Pringle was fifty eight. Wow. Uh, I think that the the best things in Detroit right now is they be, they believe they can win. Yes. That's oh, the difference. They, 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 they need to get some, some, some wins early in the season, just to get that that confidence and that swagger, um, and then I think their season could just take off for them. Yes, the best best addition to the team was the coach. Yes. Yep. Makes all, well, and their general manager. That yeah. man has an amazing way of making trades and manipulating draft situations. I guess the uh, the conversations he's had with other teams, particularly the Jacksonville Jaguars, on con- helping them convince them to draft Trayvon Walker. Yeah, it's like okay, well done, <laughs> well done. <laughs> if I if I'm another general manager and it's getting close to draft season, that's a guy whose phone I'm not answering. I'm not taking that phone call from that guy. 
<laughs> Talk you out of the picky act you want. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I should take Trayvon Walker with the first <laughs> overall pick. That's a great idea. Yeah, okay. Um, I like where this team is going. They have, to me, it's, it's all good, positive energy and momentum. Um, now, I watch a lot of fan videos of people that go to their practices. They post it inside like the Reddit channel um, or on the Facebook page. And Dan Campbell is running through their, their skill drills, their conditioning drills with the players. So he's not getting them to do stuff that he doesn't want to do himself, that he won't do himself. He even called out um, a media, uh, I don't know if it was like a radio host or something that was uh, heckling from the sideline and said, come out here and come do this, right? And like, I forget what the terms and conditions were of like, you do this, I'll do something for you. Guy came out there and tried doing it because he was giving him uh, the coach a hard time. Guy's off from the sidelines puking in a, in a garbage can by the time he's done. So it's like, I get it. Like, this is... This is a coach who's not just going to sit on the sidelines and tell his team what he needs to be done. He's going to show them. He is going to put him on his back and carry him to as far as he can get. And then hopefully they can go the rest of the way. I watched a highlight reel um, of when he played for, uh, when he played for the, the Detroit Lions. So it was all the touchdowns he had scored. When, you, when he moved down the field, like he wasn't breaking tackles. He was just like he was just a giant, massive body. He was willing to take the lumps, the bumps. The couple of the hits he took were just like, hey, my quarterback just left me out to dry. If I catch this ball, I'm going to be a destroyed human being because I'm in a, such a position that I need to catch this ball because I'm going to score, but I'm going to get hit in such a bad way. I might not play football again. And he went up and he caught that ball every single time. That was just like his, his thing. It was also funny to watch that every time he caught the ball down the field, the moment somebody touched him, he just like, whoop. He just fell right over. It's just like a stiff breeze. Like once he caught the ball, he's like, I'm not running, man. Just, just, just put me on the ground. <laughs> uh, I, but I think that's, that's the, the culture of the team, right? Like just it is. go out and get it done. I think to, to watch them, you know, Unfortunately, the offense, I don't think it's going to be real, real exciting. But defensively, I think they're going to be exciting. I think they're making some There's going to be some big hits. There's going to be some uh, turnovers. There's going to be, yeah, snot bubbles. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, if that, if, the, if the, the whole defense can take on almost that mentality of we are just going to beat the hell out of you so that you're scared to come out in the second half. It's going to be, it's fun. To, it's going to be fun to watch from a defensive side, but the offense is going to be, I think it, it's not going to be exciting, but they're going to get points and they will, they'll put points on the board, but it's not going to be in a huge flashy. Hey, I, I broke a tackle and ran down the field for 85 yards type thing, outrunning everybody else. Like you said, Mike, the guy's going to catch the ball. He's going to run for about 10 yards, be out of breath, and someone's going to blow on him, and he's going to fall over. Fall over, sure. Uh, yeah, but they will do it in short chunks like that and move the ball down the field. And I don't so know. It won't be, it won't be fancy. 
but it'll be. Uh, yeah, I don't. Ex- I don't expect fancy. After watching what uh what they did last year, I expect more of the same. Where they're going to be just a gritty, grind it out kind of team. They'll get their big plays every once in a while, but yeah, they're going to grind it out. They're going to fight for every inch they're going to get. It's not going to be a super hail mary bomb. It's not going to be like your Tyreek uh, down down the seam. Um, it's not going to be a Dalvin Cook a bust a gut up the middle for for sixty yards. It's yeah. They're just going to grind it, it up. They're going to get it in their chunks. They're going to get it at 10, 15 yards a, yep. uh, a, a chunk and and then go score or just kick field goals like they did <laughs> last year. If they All can right. have a, another one good receiver other than TJ Hawkinson, I think it can open up, open up the oh, field yeah. for him. Because oh, uh, he, like he was Shark. targeted too much. I like DJ Shark. I like Amon St. Brown. When Jameson Williams hits the field, or if they can, if they can utilize those two receivers with DeAndre Swift uh, through the backfield, if they can expand their dimensions and be more like, like the Packers or the Vikings in that case, where they're not just limited to one way, uh, it's going to to me the excitement will come. They'll build up to it. Yeah, they look more like the Vikings. I feel like Justin Jefferson, Jameson Williams, mm-hmm. yeah, like, same type of players, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. Again, like the Vikings are the same way. They're not. They're not super exciting to watch, you know? but they're effective. The Philadelphia what they do. Eagles are not a, a fun team to watch. You're excited for Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. You're not excited for the Vikings. <laughs> no, you're not. That's exactly it. All right, guys. Well, let's start breaking down this division. Um, as of right now, I've got the Packers repeating as the winners of the division. It's just hard. As much as I dislike Aaron Rodgers as a person, he's still an amazing football player. He is going to do amazing things with. Nothing. I think he has the ability to take mediocre and make it great. Not good, but great. I think he's gonna, just going to make this stuff happen. I have them winning the division at 12-5. and five. Andrew, what do you got? Um, you know, I, uh, you know, from a floor perspective, I got them at 9-8, and eight, ceiling 14-3. and three. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see them actually hitting their ceiling. Uh, I got them, like you, 12-5. and 12-5. Yeah. Okay. Gabriel, how do you see the Packers finishing this year? I think they're going to be they're going to win the division, but I think the division is more tight than it was the Lions winning a little bit more game like okay. 10 wins maybe. Ooh, 10 and 7. Okay. Yeah. Be, I, like yeah. I like where it's going. <laughs> Close finish with the like all right. Well, the Minnesota Vikings finished second in the division last year. They finished eight and nine. I've got them actually fighting and getting a, a little bit more out of what they did because they also lost a lot of one-score games. So I actually have them pushing for nine and eight, and that's mainly because I, I don't think they beat the Packers. In the, I don't think they split those matches this year. So I'm putting them at nine and eight. Andrew? Uh, see, I, I, I think they have... Um... Again, if with this new head coach, uh, if they can can figure out their their identity early, um, I've actually got them at eleven and six, just behind Ooh. the backers. Okay, that's that's aggressive. I can see a path of them getting there. Yes. Yeah. All right, Gabriel, you chose the Packers at ten and seven, winning the division. So, how do you see the the Vikings playing out? I was. <laughs> I feel like they're going to be good, but they're going to miss a little something. 
Okay. You uh, you broke up a little bit there. You sounded a little oh. little robotic. So I missed the number. What did you pick? I said nine. Nine and eight. Think, okay. Yeah. Okay. I think okay. they're going to be winning more games, but they're going to lose. Okay. Is not that clutch. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he has what it takes to carry a team uh, to victory. Right. To me, it's it's going to be Dalvin Cook. Uh, if if he can't make if Cousins can't make the connection to Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the Bears. I have the Bears losing this division. I also have them in contention to fighting for that first overall pick. I have them at three and fourteen this year. I think this team utterly implodes. I think they get uh, down themselves and they get frustrated and they think they bet they're better than they are. And it hurts them. It doesn't help them. They don't recognize the situation that they're in until it's too late. And unfortunately, they uh, they implode with three and fourteen. Andrew, what do you got? I, uh, you know, so when I was when I was doing my my research on the team and you know, how I do my four and my ceiling, I I had them at a four of seven and ten, a ceiling of ten and seven, and I don't even have them making their four. Um, I've got them at a four and thirteen. Four and thirteen. Okay. I, I you know I think like you said, Mike. I don't think they realize what they're getting into, and you're right. Once they, they once they start to load up on a few losses, the team is just going to implode on itself. Okay, Gabriel, what do you think? I just took a peek at their schedule, and I think they're going to win two games, maybe. It's maybe a tough three. schedule, right? Maybe three if they win against the Jets. But even there, I think it's going to be a real close one. So you're thinking, you're thinking <laughs> 2 and 15? Wow. wow. Yeah. Okay. I thought I was being hard on them. I think it's right. going to be bad, bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, Lions. Now, I'm, I'm thinking they go 8 and 9 this year. And I think it's a, it's a significant jump from where they were. I don't think it's an unrealistic jump. I can't see them climbing. They would have to me to do more than eight and nine. They would have to steal a lot of games. I think they're going to hang tough in a lot of these games, and they're going to they're going to edge out their wins. And it's not going to be big blowout wins. I'm not seeing them winning by like fourteen to twenty one points. Um, I'm seeing them winning by one score games and being on on the winning side of those decisions and they end up at eight and nine at the expense of the bears and Vikings, which is why I have the Vikings coming back down to like nine and eight and not getting a bit higher. So eight and nine lions, Andrew, what do you got? Um, so I, again, with my, my floor with them, I had them at uh, six and 11, my ceiling, I had them at eight and nine and I actually have them surpassing their ceiling. Oh, um, going, going nine and eight, nine and eight. Love it. Yep. It's bold. They I, they I have just, a they I, have a good schedule. Like the second half of the season for them, they yeah. they have a lot of easy. They have and... they have one of the one of the most favorable schedules in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I, I think it's going to come down to getting a few wins early and getting that confidence. If they don't get that, you're going to have a repeat of last year. If they get that that swagger and that confidence, I it's think just they're just going to momentum. Go yeah, you know the the teams that are going to trip them up are going to be like the Green Bay and the Tampa Bay and and mm-hmm. like the the more elite teams, but they should expect that they're going to expect tough matches. Like it's not going to yeah. be easy if they lose to a team like the Jags or the Jets, 
it's like okay well hey we yeah. we shouldn't have We're lost to this that. we yeah. are we are better we are way better than that we should not have lost to that team you're right unless it's another um emotional loss where they lose by a 66 yard field goal to me that's that's really defeating like that just hurts yes. that's why i say like that that could hurt them in if they mm-hmm. have a couple of those early in the season and then they just get that mentality again of okay here we go again okay right? so all right gabriel what do you got I think they're going to go 9 and 8 too. And they're going to split the games with the Vikings. I feel like they're going to lose the first one and they're going to win the one uh, later. I could see this. Yeah. 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 Okay. And that that could be where they lose a really, really close one to the Vikings. And then in the second game, they figured out where their mistakes were and correct it. Even with Green Bay, the Green Bay game in the first one, they lose the second half, the second game they may take that one just from the standpoint of, hey, we know we're a better team than that, and they, they go in and steal one from, from Green Bay. thing is, is just, you know, the, those two, the two divisions that play a lot against them, the NFC East, I think, the one with the Giants and the yeah. Eagles, yeah. It's, it's all going to be some close game. So I, I yeah. have them losing against the Eagles, but I could see them winning this game. Mm-hmm. I have them winning against Washington. Yeah, I could see them losing this game too. That that's the whole thing about those two divisions. It's going to be yeah. so tight that it is. Yeah. It's going to come down to those one score games, and I think they're just going to be on on the winning side of it. All right, cool. <laughs> you're you're the Detroit Lions fans. I am. <laughs> I'm, wish. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to temper my my hopes with what I think is realistic. And when I look at the roster, it's. It's potential that has to be realized. It's not proven. It's not, it's not a, I know what to expect and I can trust what I, when I look at the uh, Minnesota Vikings offense, I know I can trust what they can do. I have high expectations for that offense. When I look at, even looking at Green Bay, sure, they don't have Devontae Adams, but taking him out, they still have Aaron Jones. They still have, uh, AJ Dillon, and they still have uh, a Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Fame uh, quarterback at Aaron Rodgers, who's going to make something out of nothing. So Alan Lazard, Amari Rodgers, uh, Randall Cobb, Christian Watson, Roma, uh, Romeo Dobbs, someone or multiple people in that are going to rise. So I, I, I have trust and confidence in what's going to happen there because it's proven. When I look at the Lions, it's like, okay, I know what DJ Shark can be. I know what uh, Amon St. Brown did last year towards the end of the season. I know what DeAndre Swift can do when he's on the field. I know what TJ Hawkinson can do when he's on the field. You put all those things together, sure, I think there's a massive like potential. Like they could they could really light this thing up. Or they could it could be a non-starter and they just they just don't get the rhythm and one guy's showing up and the rest are faltering. Uh, to me, it's unrealized that there's not a track record here of what what can be done. There's just the potential of greatness. So I'm hoping for that, and I'm going to temper it to be somewhere in between. And that's how I ended up at the eight and nine mark. Yep. And we're Over. so used to seeing them at the bottom that yeah, it's like a gimme. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is just the way it is. Now that we've completed our predictions on how the teams are going to fare. Let's talk about our best fantasy lineups. So we need to pick our best quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and flex play out of this division. 
Now, I, to me, it's a no-brainer who the quarterback is. But if you have someone who's not named Aaron Rodgers as your choice, I'd be very curious to hear uh, why. Andrew, who's your quarterback? Oh, Rodgers. Rodgers, okay. Uh, Gabriel, who's your quarterback? I mean, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you, you, you'd have to take like, some hallucinogenics drugs like Rodgers. Mm-hmm. I, I think you'd have to be on meth and you'd have to like deconstruct <laughs> the universe to try and ever, like to try and justify picking not Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Uh, running back to me, there are some good choices at running back in this division. Andrew, who did you take as your running back? I, uh, I took cook. Okay. Dalvin cook. Any particular reason you took Cook over Aaron Jones, DeAndre Swift? I just David Montgomery. I think, I think um, Minnesota's uh, makeup is more of a running, mm-hmm. and he, he can catch the ball as well. He's he's multifaceted. Yep. Yep. So okay. I, he's just to me, I you know Aaron Jones don't he, he, good. Yep. Um, but. Uh, no, I I just thought Cook is going to be a little bit better. Okay, Gabriel, who'd you take? I took DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I have him on my team. <laughs> you do, and I've tried many times to try and get him. Up. That's the thing. I feel like Aaron Jones could be good. He could also lose a whole lot of TDs to AJ Dillon. Yeah, like we saw last year. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Dalvin Cook is amazing when healthy. Yep. He's also okay. often injured. <laughs> True. Um, I took Dalvin Cook, and here's why I took Dalvin Cook. Uh, to me, he's a multi, multi-back. He's good on third downs. He can pass block. He's a great reception back. He's also great at the break and run. So this is a guy who, when healthy and on the field, he's going to be the best running back in this division. He also doesn't have someone chomping at the bit behind him that's going to try and take his job. I I think Dalvin Cook is going to be the lead back for his team, no question. Aaron Jones, because of his pass-catching chops, was my other choice I was looking at here because I know he's going to catch a ton of passes this year, which is going to come with a ton of passing touchdowns. The only challenge he's going to face is I think A.J. Dillon is going to steal a lot of the run work. I think he's going. They're going to be play this game 50-50. They might be on the field at the same time with uh, Aaron Jones out wide. I, however, they configure it. I think I think Aaron Jones will score more fantasy points because he's going to catch like those PPR uh, receptions and he's going to get those uh, passing touchdowns. So AJ Dillon's going to impact him that way. That's why I took Dalvin Cook uh, as my as my running back. I love DeAndre Swift. I just. I don't see – he has the potential of being a top-five running back if he stays healthy throughout the year because he'll get that Dalvin Cook-type role. I just haven't seen it happen yet, so I'm not as trusting of him. I recognize that he's, he has the potential of doing that and where he can be. I just don't have the – I just don't have the belief that, okay, I'm willing to put my eggs in that basket and gamble on that. Throw the problem with Dalvin Cook is they, they, they have a tendency to pass the ball inside the five – Yard long mm-hmm. to Thielen, Justin Jefferson. So you lose out on a bunch of points. You know, he's, one TD is he's got to break that yard. run. He's got to go 60 yard run, which yeah. uh, he has a lot of those. 
Yes, but he also yes. doesn't have a whole lot of TDs after those. Because yeah. <laughs> he's quick, but he's not that quick. He's not Jonathan Taylor quick. He's got, he's got burst. Yeah. He's got burst to get through the hole and break off for 30 yards, but I get it. He can't sustain it. If you look last year, he had one, two, three, four, five, six TDs, two of those in the same game. So <laughs> it's not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. All right. Um, well, let's talk about receivers. Is it is it a question? I don't think it is, to be honest with you. Um, I picked Justin Jefferson. I got him as like the number one, number two receiver on the year. So anybody else have anybody different? No. I know with Justin Jefferson too. It's, it's pretty pretty <laughs> unanimous. Um, tight end, I'm not going to put a decision in anybody's mouth. I took Chizzy Hawkinson because I think he's the best tight end in in this division. Robert Tunyon scares me because he I think he could just be that touchdown machine in the end zone, uh, catch 40 receptions and have 15 touchdowns. So if you want to make a, an argument, curious to hear, I took Chizzy Hawkinson. Andrew, who would you take? I took Komet. Ooh. Cole I just Komet. I think he could have a he could have a good year this year. Yeah. Just on, kind of a gut feeling. I just uh, nothing to say. You know why? Or you just you just have just, a feeling that Cole can just have a feeling that this this could be his his breakout, his breakout year. year. Okay. He was quite good last year. The last third of the season, he was. Yes. He amazing. started to turn it on at the end of the year, and um, if he can keep that momentum going, right? More and more teams are using their tight ends. Getting them involved. They get the ball and get them involved instead of, instead of being blocked. So, and I've said it on previous podcasts that you're starting to see these tight ends become more and more relevant. Um, and, you know, a team that might not be so strong at wide receiver is going to start leaning on the tight end even more. So, By all means, they're big bodies. Move the, move the chains. Yeah. All right, Gabriel, who would you take? I'll go with uh, T.J. Hawkinson, but I have a gut feeling like uh, Robert Tunyon is going to be amazing. I, For some odd reason, I think he's going to catch like some bombs from Aaron Rodgers because he's going to be forgotten. Yeah. Blown coverage. Yeah, I think that could happen. Well, this is interesting because uh, there, there, there's a good argument for Hawkinson, Cole Komet, and Robert Tunyon. So yeah. curious to see where this goes. Um, flex. Ooh, I'm curious to see what you guys do in the flex spot here, because this is where this is where everything can get absolutely wild with the selections. Now, I chose Aaron Jones because I think he's going to have like in a PPR format. We're half point PPR in our league, but I think just from the number of receptions, I think he's going to end up as the number one target on that team. Uh, so that's why I selected him as my flex play. Andrew, who would you take uh, as your flex? I I. I struggled with um, this person being the position player or the flex, but uh, I, I, I put down Swift. I yeah. almost had him as my running back. Almost okay. had him as my running back. Okay. Because, you know, both of, you know, what both of you guys said earlier, of all the running backs in the division, he, he has the highest ups, uh, the, uh, the highest, Upside, I think he could. He could, like you, like you said, Mike. 
he could be a top five running back this year. Could, yep. Um, you know, if the team gels and he does and the, they do well, he could become a workhorse for them. Um, I think he'd be an efficient back. I'm not saying yeah. he can be he's gonna get a ton of touches. I think he could be efficient if if their O line shapes up the way things are projecting. And what I see in camp, this is a guy who could be like an Alvin Kamara style running back. He'll get some good yeah. runs, he'll get some good receptions, and he'll be really efficient with all the touches that he gets. Yeah. So he doesn't have a massive workload, but he's good with what he get, does get. But yeah. he has a massive workload. I did. Like, the beginning of the year last year, he had like 10 receptions per game. Yeah. It was, it was ridiculous, and we saw him break down. Yeah, but, you know, you, you tend to break down when you get like, Need thirty touches per game. <laughs> it's a yeah, like, game. You're, you're, you're getting rocked. It's not a big yeah. guy. Exactly. I was just going to say that. You know, like he's not like a Christian McCaffrey, where he's a big, a big kid. Um, but you know, if but Mike, you like you said, very efficient once he's when he's got it. Um, you know, so I that's why that's why I I I, I chose him. And again, like I said, I almost took him over Cook as my running back. But okay. I just look and DeAndre Swift is heavier than Christian McCaffrey. Oh, really? Yeah, Ooh. I have a six pounds. He's two oh. inch, two inches uh, shorter, but oh, he's six heavier. pounds heavier. Yeah. But when you look at the two guys, you know, he, when you, you look at the two guys in their in a game, McCaffrey just he plays Looks, bigger. Plays bigger. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Gabriel, who is your flex play? I have to go with Dalvin Cook. <laughs> okay, so very similar rosters. I do love yeah. some of the uh, the selections here. The Colt Komet is a really bold one. Um, I feel like this division is really top-heavy for our fantasy players. Yeah, oddly There's not, not a whole lot of depth because QBs are good, but they're not great. Can they support two players? I don't know. Aaron Rodgers, I think, has the ability to support two players, but I yes, don't think he has he to. <laughs> he have the two to do it with. Can you imagine if Aaron Rodgers landed Justin Jefferson? If they made that first round selection? Jesus. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So, just a quick recap I selected uh, Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback with Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, and Aaron Jones in my flex. Andrew, you got Aaron Rodgers, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Cole Komet as your tight end, with DeAndre Swift as your flex. Gabriel, you took Aaron Rodgers, DeAndre Swift, Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, and Dalvin Cook in your flex. So a lot of similarities. It's kind of nice to see some consistency. There's a, there are some good fantasy talents out of this division. Yes. Okay. Well, that does bring us to the end of the show. Gabriel, I greatly appreciate you sharing your fruity beverage with us tonight, <laughs> as well as your time. Thanks for having me. All right. And uh, next week, folks, we are going to bring in uh, the NFC West. We're going to break that down with our commissioner, Donnie. He's going to be in, in the house uh, talking, talking trash, I'm sure. So uh, make sure you guys tune in, come back, check us out. Uh, thank you very much for, for tuning in. Tell all your friends about the show. Spread the word. Uh, we're, we're touching points from the East Coast to the West Coast, even all the way out to Hawaii. Still looking for someone up in Alaska and Northwest Territories. We haven't landed anybody, any fans up there yet. So if you know anybody, just, uh, just send, them, send them a link. 
Um, that's it for this week, folks. Uh, you can follow us on Poor Man Football on Facebook and Twitter. We are posting stuff regularly, trying to get you guys engaged, find out what's going on. Uh, send us some questions. Find out what's, what's happening on this end. We'll, maybe we'll drop you, uh, drop you on the show somehow. Uh, that's it for me. I hope you guys have a great week. And remember, from one poor man to another, if it's not fun, it's not worth doing. Good night, guys. Good night, everybody. Have a great week. Have a good one. Thank you.